¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome back to my Primos Podcast. My name is Freddie, one of your hosts tonight. Of course, with me is Mr. Kevin Garcia.com. Say what's up, Kevin. What's up, Kevin? Uh, come on. Do more than that. Give the Primos some love, my friend. Ah, I, I am excited because I have been waiting all year for the month of Halloween to come by. And as far as I'm concerned, the month of Halloween started a few months ago. Uh, so I'm waiting for the rest of the country to catch up with me. Nice, nice, nice. So you're big into Halloween because you you told me, Freddie, we're going to have a show. I'm going to have some guests and they're going to be a little spooky. I was like, a little spooky. Okay. What's it about? So, Kevin, how about you introduce our guests tonight? Well, I wanted to bring in some monster creators. Uh, and so I, I dug into the well of indie comics and especially here in Texas and found us three guys that are all creators of folklore and myth and magic and monsters. Uh, I want to start with uh, Ray Ramos. Uh, Ray, you have a book, uh, Cryptidinals, which you've been promoting for, for quite a bit. Uh, give us real quick uh, how long you've been uh, making comics and, and what is Cryptidinals? Somebody who hasn't heard it yet. No worries, no worries, Kevin. Thank you guys for having me on here. appreciate it very much. Cryptidinals is a passion project of mine. Um, it started with a car ride with a friend of mine. And usually we used to uh, play this game where we would throw crazy ideas at each other if we had you know, the ability to make the comic. And he, at first, he was like, hey, let's do a comic about cryptids that steal um, ancient relics for the U.S. government. And I'm like, that's crazy enough. Yeah. And who will be on the team? And he's like, Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and all these other characters. And that just slowly, slowly evolved into what it is now. And it took like a sharp turn into Horrorville because at first it was, it was very tongue in cheek. But um, after I started really doing the research, because I was always interested in cryptids, started doing the research and getting into it. It developed into this HP Lovecraft meets Poe meets Junji Ito type of thing. But we'll get into that nonetheless. But that's yeah. pretty much what it is. And it does have a lot of cryptos that are from Texas and also uh, the border area. So get ready for that. Been doing comics for, wow, over 20 years now um, and uh, started right out of high school. All right. And, and we're going to get back to, to cryptos in a minute. A minute. Dan, Dan Price. Uh, you have been making comics for quite a while as well, and you've recently put out one that just everybody keeps talking about because of the name alone, Bigfoot Knows Karate. Uh, could you tell us yes. about your background in comics and uh, what you're making right now? Sure. Uh, my background in comics is uh, I started working in comics about 14, 15 years ago. Uh, my first book was called Latex Avenger. He had a sidekick <laughs> named Spermicidal Foam Lad, and together they repelled crime. 99.9% .9 of the time. Yes. So, okay. you know, that's a fair stat statistic. Yeah. yeah you know. I love how you just gloss over the, that character, but we'll, yeah. we'll talk. Keep, yeah, keep. he's cool, man. I dig him. Uh, because we just did a, Drew and I just did a crossover between Halloween Man and Latex Avenger that just was on Indiegogo. So, nice. but I started with that project and did a thing for Hound Comics called Masters of the Obvious. Did a thing for the Stan Lee Foundation called uh, Excelsior, the Uphill Adventures of a Boy Named Stanley. Took a long break and came back and did some stuff for Halloween Man for Drew and uh, a couple things for some other titles. And then put out Bigfoot Knows Karate, which is the story of a gentle cryptid warrior who lives in a world where anyone could be the uh, hunter and anyone could be the prey at any given time. Uh, think of it like Godzilla versus Kong meets Kill Bill with a big splash of Lost in there just for good measure. And... Um, it is, you know, we put out the first Kickstarter last year and uh, people seem to dig it. Thank you for that. 
and you know, book two, uh, born under uh, big Bigfoot knows karate chapter two, born under a bad sign hits Kickstarter October twelfth. So there you go. Nice, That's me in a awesome, awesome. And we've had the uh, name dropped a few times already, but Halloween man, uh, the the man for the season itself. Uh, Drew Edwards, tell us about yourself in comics and uh, what is Halloween Man for those who have not read his adventures yet? Uh, well, as far as myself, I have been doing comics for 22 years. Um, God. Uh, and uh, my qualifications, I'll give that out real quick. I am a Ringo Award nominee for Best Writer. I am a Best of Austin winner. And I am a member of the PIN America Fellowship of Writers which all makes me sound really hoity-toity, but I swear I'm actually quite lowbrow. <laughs> I was like, uh, brag much? You know? Yeah, I, right. Uh, those, those are worth bragging. Uh, if you say so. Um, I just did. That makes it true. That Technically, you are correct, which is the best way of being correct. <laughs> um, so uh, Halloween Man is best described as the weird adventures of a zombie superhero and his sexy mad scientist girlfriend as they fight everything from the Loch Ness Monster, the Invisible Man, uh, vegetarian vampires, cryptids mm. do factor factor in quite frequently as well as your classic monsters like the mummy uh vampires werewolves things of that nature uh he eats his bad guys uh so it's 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 there's a there's something pro-social there i think but uh you know it's yeah. it's quirky it's fun um it's very texas it takes place in texas because i'm a firm believer about writing about what you know so uh is, was that good is that what you wanted that was exactly what I wanted, but uh, but let's do it. Let's do a deeper dive into each of your books for a second. Uh, I know I've read uh, Halloween Man before, and I've been catching up with, with some of Dan's works. And I just just recently got to read uh, Cryptonals uh, from uh, Ray. Ray, how do I say that? Cryptidinals? Um, you can say it either way. A lot of people say Cryptidinals. <laughs> I say Cryptonals. It's a it's a amalgamation of cryptid and criminal, so it's Cryptonal. Oh, nice. Let me ask you, let's talk about your book here, because I, I want to uh, ask you a couple of things on it. So I read it as well. And for those that don't know, how about you give an explanation of what is a cryptid? We've been throwing that word around here. So for those that don't know, how would you define a cryptid? So a cryptid is an animal or creature that uh, people believe is real, but has not been officially identified by science or officially made real by science. And that can range anywhere from, you know, the Loch Ness Monster to like the Chupacabra, stuff like that. People, things that people see, but there's no actual like recorded evidence, especially like Bigfoot. Speaking of Bigfoot for Dan. Um, right. But uh, that's always fascinated me, especially with uh, growing up in this part of the country. I'm in El Paso right up against Juarez, right against Mexico. And there's like craziness over here that happens all the time. Like we see stuff. I saw a lot of stuff growing up. I had an experience with La Llorona when I was a kid, and uh, that completely like sent so me you, down. This Llorona path. is a is a main character, and you're and one of the main characters. What I read in the book so far. First of all, I dig the art too. I love that it's black and white. I love how how it's drawn. It it makes you uneasy, which is awesome. Like I love the uneasiness of it. Like when there's you there's a lot of gore there, but it doesn't feel gratuitous. It feels within its own world. Yeah, it's 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 it welcomes the horror fan, right? Like I kind of know what I'm in, what I'm in for, especially that opening scene. You know, like you get those those shots of those girls, you know, kind of hanging out, and you kind of see like how 
it's it's uneasy. It's not a very welcoming first couple pages, which is cool because I love this this stuff, you know. And the Yorona kind of is a very very different vibe of the Yorona. Your I mean, is it fair to say your version of the Yorona is not the one that most would know? I wanted to redeem her, but but I'll get into that in a minute. I just want to touch on something that you said is very very important to me, and that's the uneasiness. And I think that all good horror has to leave you uneasy. The Exorcist, uh, Hered uh, Hereditary, that one, my God. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw The Void, but that, those type of horror movies that are psychological and leave you afterwards like, oh, God, I feel dirty. I feel sick. That's the best horror, I think. And that's what I wanted to capture in the, in the Cryptonals. And it was, it was very important to me to get an artist that could define that. And Dario Rodriguez, he's a part of 656 Comics, which are in Juarez. They're the only or were the only uh, for a while uh, outfit of comic book creators that were doing Western comics uh, in Mexico. And they're right up against El Paso. They're in, in, in Juarez. That's why they're six by six. That's the area code. And Dario, I've always wanted to work with him because he's super um, like versatile at different things like that he draws. Um, he'll draw you like a children's storybook and he'll turn around and draw you like this gore filled issue <laughs> of monsters ripping people apart. But um, it, it, he wanted to capture the Junji Ito type, the Kenturo, Kenturo Mura uh, type artwork. And I wanted to deliver the story that was kind of like Poe, kind of like H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, Dory, Gustav Dory. He adores Gustav Dory. And, and that, I think, comes through as well in, in the artwork. So that, all that played into it. And then when I presented him the part of La Llorona, because... I mean, face it, folks, La Llorona is what she is. Everybody is afraid of her. We grow up knowing the story because our grandmothers and our tias and everybody tells us, like, this is going to get you. You're, don't behave. Well, why? Well, because she did this. But I always felt that she needed redemption because we automatically go to the stereotype of La Llorona being this woman that destroyed her life for something, you know, for a desire that was unattainable. And I was like, well, what if that wasn't the case? Because, of course, you know, oral tradition the stories change, you know, the original story may have been completely different than the story that we know now. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take her story. I wanted to redeem her in a way. If Maleficent can be redeemed, La Llorona should be redeemed as well. And that's what I wanted. And I, I think we succeeded in doing that because we tell her story stays the same, but it's from a little bit of a different point of view. And uh, she's more anti-hero now than she is uh, a villain. You know, Ray, uh, I know that your story has, you know, Goatman and Springheel Jack and other uh, Western and, and European characters, but it it does have a very strong feel of, of regional folklore. Um, I, I know some of the, the stories there, even if they're referencing European stuff, kind of reminded me of uh, stories that I'd hear from northern Mexico, you know, like the the, the monster cities in the caves and stuff like that. Um yes. But but uh, but you know what's 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 neat though is that as you're describing that I'm also thinking about uh, Drew's work with Halloween Man because uh, Drew you also draw from a lot of these different sources and just like Ray was saying he felt a connection to the the uneasiness of the monsters um, what what is the feeling that you want people to take away from with with Halloween Man as uh, as you have some of these characters well I mean with the in, in particular to Halloween man, you know, I'm a big universal monsters fan. Um, I, I love, you know, Frankenstein, Wolfman, creature from the black lagoon, all those, you know, great characters. And the thing about the universal monsters, uh, Dracula and the invisible man aside, most of them are, are kind of sympathetic characters. And I think, you know, what Ray to, to the point that Ray was making monsters make excellent 
anti-heroes. And I think especially for for people who who feel somewhat like the other, like the outcast, uh, you know, the downtrodden. And, and those are the sort of characters that have always appealed to me um even in in superhero comics like my favorite superhero of all time is the thing from the fantastic four because he's a superhero but he's also a monster Hmm. and i i think when i when when people read halloween man you know that's really the you know i there's only so certain issues of halloween man I'll, i'll be honest there's only certain issues of halloween man that i would say are like full on scary like most of them skirt the line between being you know fun you know occasionally gory but it's more it's more like an evil dead to you know sam raimi kind of kind of vibe uh it, it's having fun with horror it's, 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 it's a little, yeah. i get a little bit of camp you know i yeah. get a little bit of camp from yeah. it i enjoy it yeah but um you know what what i do want people to take away from it is is the 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 sense that it's okay to be weird and it's okay to be different because i think that's when you're a horror fan that's kind of i think if you were to go to a horror convention and go on the floor and ask you know why are you into this why are you attracted to monsters a lot of them would give you this answer and i i wanted to put that vibe into like a character and and the world he inhabits um you know this this may be a long way around of answering your question i I dig it it makes sense because there is a connection there right like uneasiness is real with whatever situation you're in right like i want to touch on on dan's like when i read your book you look at the situation that we find the Bigfoot in, and I know you can elaborate when we talk about your book, but there's what what are you wanting to take away from it? Because I can tell you what I took away just by reading the book initially is that, and I think you even it's a line in your book. I think it's something on the lines of like, who's really the monster here, you know? And that's kind of the vibe that I got. But can, can you uh, try to answer the same question? Okay, so... Yeah. If you were the only one of your kind and you lived out and you lived where no one could see you and no one would know you and you have no relationships, what would that do to your psyche? What would that do to someone who's lived a very long time? And, oh, by the way, he knows karate. Um, But the, um, you know, I, I think about that a lot. I think about the character having a lot of uh, compassion and a lot of uh, and a lot of uh, sympathy and empathy, you know, for the, for the characters around him, but, you know, but like, we're more like the critters around him. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he finds a, a, a bond with a, a small rabbit in the, in the first issue. And that rabbit, you know, kind of comes along for the ride through the storyline. And, um, but you know, at the same time, aggression is not something that he deals with very well, and um, and can dish out his own. I mean, it's, it's an amazing character because uh, you know he has the the uh, the kindness, but he also has this, this this killer instinct. And you know, given the situation, you know, like I said, you know, you could be the hunter, you could be the prey at any time. That theme wraps through the first issue a lot. You know, up to you know, fighting wolves to hunters to kung fu Thulu. You know, yeah, like, I've been wanting, know. I've been waiting for you to bring him up. Yeah, no, <laughs> because just just like Drew and Ray uh, draw from different sources for their characters, mm-hmm. you 
brought Lovecraft into, well, like, like the, to use the word Freddie used earlier, camp, uh, to make him Kung Fu Thulu. Uh, how do you how do you wrap literally how do you wrap your head around that i guess okay so uh kung fu thulu the idea was uh casey allen my uh co-writer's idea really i mean he came up with the name the next day i had sketches for it and we were off to the races i mean because it was just such a great name and then you know uh but you know we played on the character because you know i mean his his personality is very much like macho man randy savage meets uh, max katie from cape fear uh you know i love characters that are off the rails and you know casey even said to me when we were working on book two you think we're going off the rails with this one i said going off the rails is where we started you know and that's just what we're going to keep doing and you know which allows you to get into other characters like in uh Book two, we have Thermonucleodon, who is this kaiju with missiles growing out of his back, or Chupacabra with a shotgun. Uh, you know, uh, you know, beautiful causing, names, beautiful uh, names. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, and just and also, but characters rooted in mythology because you know there's a Minotaur and a Mysterion, you know, that uh, shows up in the book, and then there's the you know the Pukwudgie, which are little cryptid creatures that I mean, Arenos, and because uh, mm. you've done the research, man, I, I could tell from what you're saying, man, for sure. And uh, the it's amazing, um, you know. So what's the takeaway? Um, I think the takeaway is this character who's lost, who's never, never known anything other than loneliness and isolation. And you know, in book two, he's met with a situation where what's better, loneliness and isolation, or being surrounded by, you know, enemies. Um, so um, the takeaway, I don't know, man. I enjoy the comic because that's really what the big deal was about it. Is make something that was fun that would be bigger, cinematic, you know, and that would take you on an adventure. You know, when you, when you say cinematic and, and you talk about like a monster that just draws you into to an intense story, I can't help but think of the the greatest film of our time, which is probably Morbius. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> so so. Oh um yeah, I had a. We're already going here. I mean, I mean, we we can be. We can we can come back uh, as we talk about these guys' upcoming projects uh, at the end. But like, are describing your monsters that are you know deep down something something more than than what they seem and and how they they are ostracized from society and and these big cinematic things that are that may seem kind of cheesy. I'm thinking the greatness that is Morbius, <laughs> um, which uh, which I finally got around to watching this weekend. This is on Netflix. Oh, you um, gave us homework, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm like, fine. Because <laughs> I don't think, let's be real, who here out of the five of us is like, oh, yes, finally, it's here. Like, You know what? You know what? Okay, I'll say this. I'll say this. Sony is obsessed, because they have no other choice, with making movies out of Spider-Man characters because none of their other movies have been successful. Are we going to get the Bad Bunny movie? He's supposed to play some Spider-Man. Yeah, well, well, who showed villain. up in two issues? He showed up in two issues. That's all they got. And, and the thing Bunny is, Man. of everywhere. all the Spider-Man characters, I feel like Morbius is probably, if you have to put them in a movie without Spider-Man, he's probably one character who could have done that. And this is what they that. did with it. This is what they did with it, you know? So uh, what do you guys think? Is it is it as bad as everyone says? Oh man, it's, it is no. it is aggressively mediocre. I think would would be my yeah. my takeaway because yeah, like I, I was ex I was expecting something that was, I mean, it is laughable. It, yeah, it is it is big. 
it is big budget schlock. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that it's not, but um, it, you know, it, it, it diverted the time while I was watching it. I probably will never watch it again. Um, mm -hmm. There, there's nothing like okay, like the Venom movies, which are yeah. also cheesy. But they have these very weird, this very weird central performance by Tom Hardy, which, yeah. which slightly elevates it above what it is. This doesn't even really have that because, like, for for all the 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 shall we say eccentricities of Jared Leto, um, none of that really comes off on screen. He's just kind of there, you know. It's it's the cinematic equivalent of of dry toast <laughs> yeah i mean I venom, to... venom, venom is fits for me is so bad it's good like venom and aquaman he froze mr kevin they're not good movies this one's just a movie yeah it came out in theaters it's got that going for it <laughs> twice. You know, came out theaters twice well and it had the thing that I hate the most in a comic book superhero movie. And that is the trope where the bad guy mm -hmm. is a facsimile of the good guy. Mm. I don't care if it's the Hulk versus Abomination. Agreed. Iron Agreed. Man versus Iron Monger or Obadiah yep. Stain. I don't care what it is. It's boring. It's boring. I mean, and it's like, and it's something that we've seen so many times. First few times, I'm sure it was great, but like, <laughs> it, 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 it's it was a movie, nothing more, nothing less, and nobody's gonna remember it. And you know, maybe I don't know. I don't not. A, I don't know anything about Jared Leto. I know that he's got some problems going on right now, or something like that. He's just a blonde guy from Fight Club, as far as I'm concerned. So it's funny like, enough, my nephews are watching Fight Club in the living room, and they're like, "Jared Leto was in this." I'm like, "Yeah, he's just some blonde kid that got his ass beat." And you're so too cut a lot blonde, with me, you know. Uh, no, the, my thing was like you mentioned Venom, right? I was I had lowered. I mean, my expectations weren't super high for Morpheus, but. Uh, Morbius. Sorry, I keep saying Morpheus because the Matrix, the better movie. Um, Man, which is basically the same movie as, as this movie. Okay, whatever. You can, you can go to bed with that. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> I kept looking at my watch like, damn, is this movie still going? Because with Venom, it was an hour and maybe 20 minutes, and I was like, oh, damn, that was quick. I enjoyed it, and I'm it's, done, and it's yeah, fun. Yeah. But so with this one, I was like, fuck, this is a long movie. <laughs> like, this is long. And it's long a lot of because of what Dan said, because it's just literally just the tropes of superhero movies, nothing added to it, nothing commented on it, just the tropes, you wasn't, know, at least everything Marvel, coming too, you know, that's what you said, it's a trope. Wasn't Marvel touting it or toting it rather as the first like actual horror movie that no. Marvel, um, was putting Sony, out? Sony was saying oh, that. Oh, Marvel Sony, was okay. saying, just be thankful you're allowed to put our name at the beginning. <laughs> it's an association with I know because I think uh, New Mutants <laughs> succeeded in that because I like New Mutants and it was it was in that vein of, of horror that was cool but this was trying to be too. something else that it wasn't ever going to be at all now. he you wanted know, to be a cool vampire it's like he has some some like hey this is going to be my Iron Man because he tried to be Joker that didn't work and it's just, this is where I'm going to pop off I didn't work in DC maybe I'll work in Marvel and dude. I have Jared Leto fatigue. Like I'm, he's, I'm he's not that charismatic. Like I, I kept thinking 
while watching the movie that, that it, you know, they had Matt Smith as the, the bad guy. And I was like, how underused more, he would have been so much more entertaining in the lead role because at least like, it seemed like he was having fun, you know, like, <laughs> like Jared Leto is just sort of there. I mean, he looks, he does in fairness, he does look a lot like Morbius from yeah. the comics, but like, there you say he looks know. like okay. a dying vampire. I, I'm going to yeah. say something. I'm going to say something controversial, and that is, I actually kind of liked Jared Leto's Morbius. Morbius. I, oh, now I would say the Morpheus. Uh, Morbius. Um, it is contagious because you're right. He wasn't very good, and Matt Smith definitely was enjoying himself more. But like visually, Morbius in the comics is an ugly character on purpose. Yeah, and they somehow captured that and made it visually appealing to be that ugly character. That's the only thing I'll give this movie is that I liked the way Morbius himself looks. I uh, didn't understand the purple smoke. I was about to okay, so yeah. so Morbius in the comics very often has this kind of like purplish cape purple thing going cape. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I like think they were trying to emulate that, but like, but why? Because well, like he's he's like a bat. He's like a Batman. Okay, but so, he's like that's the floats. color. It, it's the, the the color scheme, and and you associate certain <laughs> characters with certain colors. And I think that's what we're trying to do with that. Like for example, the Hulk green, Spider Man red, yeah. you know, Batman sure, blue, but so purple. <laughs> can they just put him in like a, a a a coat with like purple? You know, like the fact that it just appeared is like I don't. Especially have a considering they already established there. that the orange suit made him have orange smoke, but purple is just his color. Yeah, I I think I know why they did the smoke Mm -hmm. because if they didn't, it would be a complete facsimile of all the different effects they did in the Matrix, which also had Morpheus in it. By the way, (laughs) same character, same character. You know, I you know speaking of 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 the 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 late nineties, early aughts genres of people kicking ass in in latex and leather. Um, I think a lot of the problems with this movie is that we had an entire trilogy of Blade movies. Yeah. Too. So a lot of the stuff that that would have been unique about Morbius as a character, unfortunately, have already kind of been been done in a movie because of with a Marvel a character. Yeah, with a Marvel character that Marvel is also about to do a reboot, a reboot of. So, uh, yeah. Um, I thought Dan's like, yeah, I'm so like I don't know Marvel, and I mean, you, do you not watch Marvel films? What's or Dan's too artsy for that. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, no, I watch. Dan, okay. Dan is deep. He, he, oh, yeah. He, Dude, I'm, he I'm doesn't watch on... mainstream cinema. He only watches foreign films. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, after this, I'm going to put on my uh, my turtleneck and my beret, and I'm going to do beat poetry over on the corner. Nice. Uh, no, um, I, don't, I don't watch Marvel movies anymore, DC movies, and it's not really anything other than I'm just tired of the genre. I mean, I've just seen so many of them. Look, I mean, I started watching superhero movies with the first Superman, you know, with Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Okay. I've seen every single Superman movie or, su- or superhero movie up to a point. I got really, you know, when the Bat- Dark Knight trilogy came out, I just felt like it was just, it wasn't super, super villains. It was just some dudes howling at terrorists. You know, it's just like the Marvel movies are fantastic from what all the ones that I have watched are great. I'll like two of them. Through, what? I'll like two that you've watched. Oh no, no, no! I mean, I watched all three of the Iron Mans. I okay. watched uh, the two Avengers movies. I watched uh, the Banner Hulk. I watched the uh, the Edward Norton Edward Norton Hulk. I've watched a bunch of them. I got up through Black Panther. 
Okay. And that was fantastic. And then I just kind of petered out. I wasn't interested in Ant-Man and I wasn't interested in the other things that were coming out. And then my son had me try and watch the Infinity War and I kept falling asleep because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Guardians Galaxy, number one, was amazing. Black Panther was incredible. I, I was the one person who liked Iron Man 3. I thought that was kind I, of No, cool I was with you on that one. I actually okay. I didn't I, like it. I liked yeah. the, the, the twist, you know, which a lot of people hated. I liked that twist. Yeah. I didn't and mind so, the twist. I just wasn't a fan because they... But see, here's the thing, though, is that you have to do something different with it. They have the twist there. They have the the the, the family stuff in Guardians of the Galaxy, and, and like you guys keep saying, this movie was just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no imagine. No imagination. Give me a give me a give me a weird you know a weird twist or turn or something like that. So with the Mandarin thing didn't bother me. The Iron Man two where the with the Whiplash or whatever yeah. the hell his name was was it, it was the same arc reactor. I mean it was the same thing that they did in number one basically. And you know because he had a suit in a, in a in a backpack or something like that. Yeah. So you know the the, anyway. the 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 other thing about Morbius because I I like watching schlocky big budget movies sometimes like if you if you, so you love transformers all that right no, no, not so much not so much transformers <laughs> but like like the nick cage ghost rider movies okay like are are our chef's kiss to me even though i know they're bad and but but the thing is about it is i like watching a movie where a filmmaker was given too much of a free reign to be indulgent and a lot of money like, like when they say that they're going to make a musical about the Joker for the sequel, like I have never seen, I haven't seen the Joker movie. I have no interest to me, but you say that same director is basically going to go in and make a fucking musical. I'm going to be there opening day because that's the sort of train wreck <laughs> I am there for. So that's what I was expecting out of Morbius. And it, again, like it just was a, just, I mean, there was nothing weird about it. I love Buckaroo Banzai and some fucking yes. train wrecks, you know? Like, I'm there. Like, I'm there. I'm there for it. The randomness, the craziness. But this movie took itself too serious. And mm. it felt like the they did have a budget because there's some decent CGI in here. Oh, yeah. And it, it practic- I don't want to say practical effects, but, like, there's enough going on on screen that you can be entertained. So, like you said before, I think I don't know if you said it offline or not, but it was like, it was on. And it was there. Like, it wasn't amazing. I think because maybe we've been, like, burnt out. I don't know. Our synapses have been burnt out with all the Marvel movies. Well, also, like, the way people were talking about it on Twitter a couple of months ago where they were, there seemed to be this sort of movement to make it into, like, a cult classic. This movie isn't weird enough to be a cult film. Like, like when I think of, like, the cult, like, I think of something like Flash Gordon, which has a lot of, like, strangeness to so it fun. you know no, morbius yeah. has nothing like that like um it, it it really just is like cookie cutter you know yep. and yeah let me let me bring in some comic book lore for a second so uh morbius did have his own series for a while and he did have a, a supporting cast and they're they're pretty much in this movie uh but he also had a major villain a major antagonist who was literally a, a another person who he kind of accidentally gave vampire powers to and ended up using those same powers to try to kill him and other people. And essentially the Matt Smith character, except his name was Vic Slaughter, and uh, which is very 90s, had giant like Goku hair. And he was not a guy who hired mercenaries, but a guy who was a mercenary. So basically 
basically the same Matt Smith character, but he reveled in killing before even getting powers. And, and it's weird to me that they didn't just use that character. But but then, okay, well, let's just say we don't want to use the same trope of the hero fighting a villain who's his mirror. His other reoccurring bad guy is this like Jekyll and Hyde slash Killer Croc type character called the Basilisk. And you know what? Nothing super exciting about that, but at least it's not him versus another vampire, you know? And why not have that? Have him fight this giant monstrous uh, crocodile looking demon character. That would be great. Something new or, or if you're going to do something old, do something fun with it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that Sony, because they were limited to, you know, whatever was in the Morbius comics and the Spider-Man comics, unfortunately, what would have made this movie a lot cooler is they, if they had been able to bring in a lot of the other Marvel monster characters. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure Marvel proper has the rights to those because they're doing a werewolf by night TV movie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that thing looks so cool. Which looks really good. Oh, that looks, that so looks so like good. Schlock that's like fun schlock. And it's a first time yeah. director too, so that's gonna be interesting. It could be anything. I hope the whole thing is in black and white. I hope it's, I, it's supposed to be trailer. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually hoping for those like little bits of color that'll show up just to throw you off. I love when they do that, where the movie's all black and white, but there's like little bits of color. You're like, wait, what? what did I just see that? You know? <laughs> oh man, no man, that movie. Like I said, it's not the worst thing I've seen, comic book related, and it's not going to be something memorable. It's memorable for not being memorable. I know. It's not <laughs> like, like, well, okay, but let's let's be. Let, Sony wants this wanted this to be the kickoff of its continued cinematic universe i guess like they, they, what what connection did they do oh there was a whole beef right vulture. apparently i read online the vulture thank you ray yeah so ray do you, do you know the details go ahead and uh elaborate um the only part that i caught was that at the end all of a sudden the vultures transported to like i, I guess it happened at the end of dr strange uh you know the, the madness yeah. or whatever that everything was transported back and the vulture came along for the ride and he ends up in Morbius's universe. But everyone's saying that that's the same universe that uh, Tobey Maguire's character of Spider-Man is in. Well, so. so that's the thing. The trailers, the trailers implied that the trailers had Tobey Maguire references, also video game references. Strangely, there was like a picture of, of the Tobey Maguire video game Spider-Man uh, on one of the walls. And, and there were a bunch of lines that got cut from the thing that I'm betting Marvel was like, no, Sony, you're not allowed to do that. No, Sony, you're not allowed to do that. No, Sony, yeah. stop that. Unless you know. it was a bait and switch. I mean, you never know. Could been, too. Could but they too. went back and changed it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Like, they went yeah. back and changed that ending to remove either the vulture or some lines of dialogue where it's not going to be part of the MCU uh, Disney, I guess, universe. It's like Sony's been saying since Andrew Garfield that they wanted to make a movie just about the Sinister Six. And it's like, what is the point of making a movie about Spider-Man villains who hate Spider-Man if you're not going to put Spider-Man in the movie? And it's even worse now if the only one of the six who knows Spider-Man is the Vulture and he was cool with Peter Parker, you know? Like, he was, like, totally on Peter Parker's side. So then we're going to yeah. get, like, Morbius and probably Venom and, and oh, God, they were going to do Craven the Hunter next? Oh, oh man. Oh, God. You know, I think they, the only reason why they're all about Sinister Six is that it's a super team that they have the rights to. Yeah. I, I think that that's that's really it. As a friend of mine pointed out, they probably own the Slingers. Dan, you were, you had oh. a thought? Oh no, I'm just saying. You say Craven the Hunter, man. If they made the death of Craven the Hunter into a movie, oh, yes, that would be to me. Oh, I would go see the. Sh- I would oh, go see God. that shit Last twice hunt? because, I mean, 
And but they got to get the art right or the the style right to fit that Mike Zek style. You know what I mean? Like and they, Spider Man would need to be in it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah 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 yeah. That went without saying. But I'm sorry. Yeah, but I mean, that to me would be. Yeah, the the, the Craven movie is not going to be that though. Like oh, it's, no, it's not. It's 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 going to be probably more of whatever more be more morpheus yeah more more morpheus (laughs) whatever his name is Uh, two two hours we spent watching the movie i never caught his name uh (laughs) but i did notice that they made matt smith look as much like doctor who as humanly possible they even Uh, had him say 11 they even have a little shot in the camera where he says how are you feeling on a scale of one to ten and he pauses he looks at the camera and goes 11 and i was like that was the one line you said Matt Smith looked like he was enjoying himself. That was the one line where he did not look like he was enjoying himself. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I bet you anything, it was just like, ooh, we got Matt Smith, have him say 11, have him say 11. And it's like, that's not even something he said. It's like literally like his, his outside of universe name. Uh, I, mean, I mean, not even that, Kevin, just the, fear, the mere fact that they used Michael Keaton for yes. the vulture and it was, it rocked when he was in, you know, in the Spider Man movie. But then at the end, they just throw him away into another dimension. They're not going to use that character anymore in the, you know, the, the, the current, I guess, yeah. run of, uh, you know, uh, Holland's Spider-Man. And that's going to suck, too, because that was a great character. He played a great yeah. vulture, you know? Oh, man. Well, I would have never thought that the vulture could carry an entire movie, but I, I ate a lot of I ate a lot of crow, I guess, on that <laughs> because, like... Uh, yeah um, I like what you did there drew that was- it, it, it completely <laughs> unintentional too um yeah like it uh it it it, it, it you know keaton is a phenomenal actor which is why i also is kind of like you had michael keaton in the trailers for this movie you're promoting but him. he's 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 the he's the after credit scenes like you put the, the you like why like because i was like the whole time i was that was the one thing that i was like so michael keaton's gonna show up now so michael keaton's gonna show up now (laughs) nope (laughs) don't hold your breath kid Uh, oh man man. so i think is a consensus here movie was just a movie it is what it is and it's kind of passable at this point i mean it's laughable it's it's the, it's the, the saying the saying that my my artist friends have when uh, like a little kid would come up to them and they would, they would tell them like, oh, look, I drew something. What do you think? And their response would be like, it's a picture. And you then they give it right back to You did something. My official I'm... verdict on this movie is it was better than The Man of Steel. Okay, oh, God. And that's, uh, yeah, that's all yeah. I can say. Enough. A low bar, but yeah. <laughs> Are we going to get doxxed by, by Zack Snyder fans on Twitter? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Probably. But, you never know. Probably. <laughs> No. Uh, but that's the thing. Your eight tweets to Dano okay. Might one three nine. There you go, Dano you know Might. What? Talking about so bad it's good. There's a few elements of the movie that might give it that. I mean, like there's a line at the beginning of the movie where he's like, "Vampire bats look cute, but they could tear apart a full size animal in minutes." Which I'm like, really? I mean, like I know it's silly when piranha movies do that, but it, to me it feels even sillier when it's a vampire bat that it's literally like, just licks the blood. With wings or something? Or yeah, I know. <laughs> And then at the end of the movie, he Kamehameha's Matt Smith with bats. Like, literally, you see him, like, like get bats kind of in a little circle in his hand, and then he shoots them at Matt Smith, and that's the, the winning blow, is that he Kamehameha's Matt Smith with a bats, with bats. But I, said, I think like, what Dan says, I'm with you. I kind of was tired of, like, it's who's the better bat? You know, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Who's the better yeah. bat? 
Who's the better bat? But not any of these guys. But no, I want to talk a little bit more about your work. Um, that way we can definitely kind of dive in a little more comparing that stuff. <laughs> to actual good work. To actual good and fun work. Uh, you know, Dan, I want to talk about your, the Bigfoot uh, Nose Karate. We, sure. you know, we kind of, you talked a lot about it in the midst of that question, but I do want to give you a moment too to kind of just tell the audience, you know, what is your book? Kind of what it's about in a nutshell. And then that way we can dig a little more into that. Um, well, like I said, you know, Bigfoot Nose Karate is, look, if you're looking for action adventure, psychological thriller, uh, you know, uh, a bit of philosophy and a hell of a lot of bloodlet and action, this is the book for you. It's, uh, you know, it takes strange, you know, different concepts and turn, you know, turns them into a strange brew that will, you know, that'll keep you, keep the pages turning for you. Um, Look, there's uh, the book deals with cryptids and kaiju, and you know, and strange and strange organizations that kind of run the cryptids of the world, and that's as much as I'm really going to kind of say on yeah. that. But uh, you know, it is you know, check out uh, issue two coming up. Well, first of all, if you want to check it out for free, issue one. Go to globalcomics.com. I've got the first issue for free on there, all 30 pages or whatever, however long the book is. Go check it out. Go check it out before the Kickstarter because October 12th, you can pick up issue two. You can do the, you know, digital, you know, do the catch up on issue one. And we've got some cool stuff that we're going to be doing for that. And it, the book picks up right after issue one. So all those questions that you had uh, at the end of the first issue, we're going to start answering those for you as long as well as, you know, ask a whole bunch more. So, um, Oh, here you go. So check out Bigfoot Nose karate over on global comics. Yeah, that's right. I got, I got visual aids and, uh, the, uh, visual aids are the best thing for a podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So, you know, it's going to be great. So, um, yeah. Well, I want to commend you on, on the art. That took me immediately. Like I dug it. I was like, Oh shit, this looks like, Samurai Jack, like uh, Yojimbo, right? You seen that? You, you read that? The Samurai. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, you mean Usagi Yojimbo? Usagi Yojimbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I love Stan Sakai. Okay, I love his work, and uh, and I've got to meet him uh, once, and that cool. he was a very kind person. Staple years ago, and um, and then oh, also one time at a Comic Palooza thing as well. But uh, super duper person. Um, and I love the concept of uh, uh, Usagi Yojimbo. I haven't read a ton of it. Uh, and then Samurai Jack, I get a lot of uh, comparisons to the artwork on Samurai Jack. Again, something I'm not too familiar with, but man, I'll take that as a compliment because the stuff I have seen of Samurai Jack, amazing. Uh, I'm a big Frank Miller fan. Uh, and uh, I love, I don't know if that really shows in my work or not, but uh, I'm, you know, to me, he's kind of like the ultimate in creators, you know, you know, artist, writer, just does it all. And so I kind of, I feel like there's an influence in that in my work, but, you know, not really in terms of the uh, storyline or anything like that, but just, I don't know. It's so the style, I get the style because it's very, um, I would say precise, especially in some of the, the fight scenes are kind of like, they're with a lot of emphasis on the things that you want to see. Mm-hmm. As opposed to read about, right, or get told about, like in this genre, perfect. Your comic book, you're seeing it, and they're very precise, and those things go hand in hand. So that's why I dug the art. I really connected with it. Thank you. Uh, you know, the big kind of the goal was, especially for issue one, because 
uh, was to tell the story in a way that if you took out all the word bubbles, and I'm not, you know, uh, not downplaying anything Casey and I actually wrote for the book, but, you know, took out all the word bubbles and you would still be able to follow along with the book. And I think that's important in a comic book. You know, in issue two, there's a lot more conversation and things like that because we've introduced a ton of characters but you can still get the vibe of what's going on without having to read the bubbles if you didn't want to. So definitely. Yeah. I mean, and I've really tried to come up with a very loose organic style that, you know, is grungy and brushy and, and has that, you know, just organic look and, you know, the panel work is, you know, even nothing straight or even, even it's all just brushy and trying to bring that kind of that loose. Because it breaks the, 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 the view. I, I'm, I don't like seeing stacked panels, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it just bores me. So I love how you just jumps around like you're in the battle. So I really, I really I love how you put that together. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Seriously. I, I don't know. I'm no, no, Kevin, I think he was going to say something. I, oh, okay. thought he froze. I, I was, I was just going to say that uh, to be clear for anybody listening, uh, while Dan, Ray and Drew are all writers, Dan also did the art uh, for Bigfoot Nose Karate. Uh, so uh, when we're talking about the, the art, this is, this is his work, this, uh, yeah. dark Knight esque Bigfoot journey. Nice, nice, nice. Thank you. No, for sure. And Drew, I mean, we, we chatted a little bit, but let's, let's talk about Halloween, man. I mean, you have this huge trajectory. You have tons of lore. Like I've read a few of your issues. I'm not as in depth as, you know, Kevin is or Ray, you know, cause Ray says, you know, he's all about it. Right. Um, what I, I really dug your book, but if you do the same thing, pitch for the audience who's not familiar and kind of what your book's about. Well, um, the way I always think of Halloween man is if you took a, a silver age comic and you ramped it up to like punk rock speed, like it's, it's, it's horror, it's adventure, um, you know, little little bit fantastic for a little bit night of the living dead uh you know it's 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 got something for everybody but you know if you're a monster fan obviously you you'll you'll get a little little more out of it um it's 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 a labor of love to me um i i often talk about this but the the comic kind of saved my life like i when i started around the time that i started doing it uh i was in a car accident that killed my my twin and the the comic is how I motivated myself to uh, to stay. Uh, you know, it, it was my motivation to get out of bed in the morning. It was my motivation yeah. to keep moving. And here I am, you know, twenty odd years later, still doing it. And it's it's you know, I'm just glad that people get something out of it. Um, but it's selfishly, it is something that I started mostly doing for myself because you tell the stories that you want to tell. Um, I, I, you know, Dan, you know, I want to do dive off of a, a comment you made because you already brought him up, but uh, Dan brought up global comics. Yeah. So I, I, I want to say this, um, global comics with an X to be clear, global comics with an X. Um, so, <laughs> um, I, gotta I, do it. I have been on uh, Halloween, the home of the Halloween man universe for like the last eight years has been comiXology. Um, over the last year, uh, we have started to part ways and I wanted to announce that uh, 
as of this October, the new home of Halloween Man is going to be on Global Comics. I actually have made a deal with them, and my entire back catalog is going to be up on Global Comics for free. So if you've never read Halloween Man, uh, you can dig into all of the lore pretty easily uh, and cost-effectively. And starting in 2023, <laughs> we're going to start pumping out a bunch of cool new stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm just really excited. This is going to mean, you know, more exposure, more more creative freedom, you know, more more of all the good stuff that a comic book creator wants. And I, I the Global Comics guys are amazing and I'm really enjoying working with them and I'm looking forward to, to what the, the future brings. So uh, right now there's there's two things up, but, you know, Keep keep your eyes peeled to the sites, and you're going to see a lot of how awesome Halloween man, including the Latex Avenger crossover that I just did with Dan. So full circle. There you go. Nice. You know, you know, uh, Drew. What I love about your work is that you you say so much of your life goes into it, and you can really read the love into it. Like it feels like these characters are like it's not just an expansive universe with its own little lore, but it really feels well loved like all the characters feels like they are something that you just pour your soul into and, and even when it's silly and it's and it's over the top it's a really heartfelt silly and over the top and i really really love that you know the the thing is is i i i never write it as a joke you know like i i i i've all i've, I've always said that like i love the tick the tick is one of the influences on it and i love flaming yeah. carrot which was of course also absurd but I wanted to, I wanted to see what would happen if you turned down, like the you know you took it from like a, a twenty back down to like a ten, and like so you would have these like weird characters living in a weird superhero you know pulp universe. It's like a slice of life out of that instead of the yeah. I get you yeah 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 for sure and you know it it, it you know you don't treat you don't you you don't treat the jokes as jokes and i think they're funnier i think that's why the greatest parody of all time is uh is young frankenstein because it's <laughs> it's a heartfelt parody a good comparison well isn't it how you mentioned earlier on right in a conversation like when you look at the universal monsters right they have this like vulnerability at some point you know we talked about that and you kind of the audience kind of falls for them in a sense of like oh i feel bad that we're gonna you know th that that's happening to him there's tortured in some way like there's and so I guess you can get that from some of the characters that everybody's writing, right? Yeah. You know, like Ray with some of the, the, the characters in Kryptonos, like Yorona specifically. I know you said you had a run-in, not a run-in or a experience. Can you, like, talk about that? Oh, or are you allowed to? Yeah, or of course. Words, like, is someone behind me? Oh, uh, like, <laughs> I know. Huh? It, it happens sometimes. Right? Um, I just want to say that these guys are doing some amazing work. I'm, I'm looking up your stuff, Dan, right now. And I had heard about it before so now i'm like really diving deep into it i'm gonna dive deep and drew of course and i've always been a fan because dave is the one that introduced me to to your universe um and like i was saying we started off really early we had a lot of experiences growing up me and olivares but um it was all there was always like something about the area that we lived in right and when i was a kid i did experience what i consider to be la llorona um it's a very very like intricate story but i'll give you the five vessel version of course um <laughs> <laughs> and what, what happened was uh, back in the day, uh, my sister lived out in the boonies 
of El Paso. And uh, it was like, I don't know if you guys have been to El Paso or not, but Magic Landing is like one of the, uh, or was one of the destinations to go. And it was like on the I-10. It was way out there uh, leaving El Paso. And she lived behind that in like this little valley area called Moon City. And uh, her and her husband, my brother-in-law, had made their home out of the garage that was attached to his mother's house, to his, uh, to her mother-in-law's house. Invited me over one weekend. My brother-in-law had gotten a satellite dish, so that's like an age gauge right there. It tells you how old the story is. Um, because he had gotten the Playboy channel and wanted me to check it out. And I was about okay. 13 years old. I was 12, 13 years old. I'm like, hell yeah, man, I'll go. So He's trying to be a good brother-in-law. Yeah, he's trying to be a good brother-in-law. Um, All short, the way to El Paso. All the <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, long story short, we ended up watching it. It was really late at night, and their house was the last house at the end of the of the block. And behind them was nothing but cotton fields, and there was an irrigation canal right behind their house, and it was empty. And at night, there was no lights. It was just their house and nothing. So in the middle of the night, I passed out at some point in time, and I woke up to like knocking on the door. I heard this really loud banging on the door, and I sat up, and we're in the living room. And I sat up and I looked around, but I didn't see him. And I thought he had like locked himself out. So I got up, I went to the door and I was about to open it. And their their room or their house was made out of, of the garage. So immediately to the right, as I'm walking to the door, there's a door to go outside into the backyard. And it was open because it was still warm and the dogs were barking. And I remember that very vividly because as I reached for the door, my brother-in-law sat up from the couch and he screamed at me, don't open the door. It's La Llorona because it was pounding like really, really loud. And the dogs were barking. He's like, don't open the door. It's La Llorona. I'm like, open the door. She's going to come in here and take us all. And I'm like, what? And before I realized it, it started screaming. It started yelling. And it was a weird freaking, like, I can't even describe it. The thing to this day that disturbs me the most is when it took a breath because you could hear it trying to gurgle like through, like it was breathing water. And you could hear like, oh, you know, like trying to breathe and scream at the same time. The dog shut up. There was like silence except the screaming. My sister comes out of the back room where she they had their bedroom and she's standing there. And I'm still standing at the door. And she's like, come back, sit down. Don't open the door. This is happening again. And I'm like, again? What the, you know, what the hell? So I went back. I sat down on the couch and it kept going. It kept screaming. And, and it was just there. And there was like this overpowering want to see what was on the other side of that door. And I wanted to get up a compulsion, right? And I, I didn't do it. I sat there and finally it stopped. And when it stopped, this bright light shone through like the cinder blocks and underneath the door. It, it looked like the sun. That's how bright the light was. And as soon as it did that, it kind of like dimmed out. And then the dog started barking again. And my, my sister was standing there and she's like, okay, like nonchalant, like whatever. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And they're like, don't worry about it. Just go to bed, go to sleep. In the morning, we'll talk about it. And I could not go to sleep that night, of course. You know, I just experienced something crazy. So the next morning I wake up and I'm, first thing I'm like, what was it? What did we see? What did I see? What did, what did I feel? What did I hear? What the hell? And she's like, it's La Llorona. Just leave it at that. That's it. That's all you're going to get out of Matter of yeah. fact. And that's all she told me. And it was bits and pieces throughout the years that I got as far as what was really going on behind the scenes. Because, I mean, growing up in El Paso, like, there's a lot of stuff going on all the time, especially with families. Because, I don't know, man, for some reason, El Paso families are very, very dramatic and they have a lot of secrets. And um, something was going on behind the scenes. And I didn't find out about it till way later 
in my in, in my adulthood. Um, and that whole episode just launched me on this want to know more about what was out there, what I wasn't able to see or, or, or understand. That got me into the occult, that got me into the paranormal, and that got me into cryptids, of course. And I started doing research left and right, trying to find out what was in my own backyard. And that's when I you know, started doing the lore in La Llorona. I found out about the San Elisario man dog, who is also in the comic book. That guy is nuts, man. I love that character. Everybody seems to love that character once they like get to meet him. Um, I found out about that guy. He's got that old West feel to him, and I love yes. that. He was supposed to be kind of like the Logan or the Wolverine of the Kryptonauts. So I, I hope that came across. And uh, there's even a shot in there that he's like, he's posing like, a, I think it was like one of the issues where Wolverine's alone uh, that John Byrne drew. And I asked Dario to draw that one shot. It's like Wolverine in the sewer and he's like turning around and he's like, you know, has his claws popped and uh, Deacon has the same pose. Now it's my but, turn. Yeah, mm. there you go. Now it's my turn. And, yeah. No, it's a, it's a great, I mean, it's scary and creepy. And I, I kind of wanted to know about that because you're talking about like Yorona in the book too. And like, if those that don't know, Yorona, the story is because she drowned her own children and she haunts waterfronts and like bodies of water. And especially and, goes after young children who don't listen to their parents. Oh yeah, that's always been the thing, right? That's yeah, you walk out, with. you go out of the house at night. La Yorona is going to get you. If you don't listen enough. Yeah, La Yorona is going to look for you. <laughs> but I like the spin you're doing, you know, Ray. That it's not necessarily you're giving her a different energy whenever she goes across. She's the antihero as opposed to what everyone's kind of grow up seeing the boogeyman and per se for some. You know, and some of the stuff you're, you're you're coming up with, I really dig. I just like this, like, I don't know, this team up of all these these cryptonals that are kind of joining your story. So I'm really excited to, to that everybody can kind of look for that. And I know that everybody's working on 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 projects. I know Dan, you have your you have a Kickstarter coming up October. Ray, uh, you have a Kickstarter coming out as well. It's all it's actually started on this. He says September, so it's going on right now. Um, okay. I'll put the link in the chat if you guys want to share it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that, I mean, that it's it's been uh, we did a, a first campaign last year and it did so well that we decided to do a second chance campaign. But we're offering something different on Kickstarter, which is a glow in the dark cover. Really, really cool. And here's what the book looks like. So I have I have uh, props as well. So, uh, yeah, I was just looking at that on Instagram. Yeah. It's freaking gorgeous. And it's dude. A That's thick, a great cover. It's a big boy. It's a thick book. 150 pages. I've been working on this since uh, 19 or oh, 19. What the hell? 2019. <laughs> so Dario's been drawing for 1920. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's going on on Kickstarter right now. Cool, man. No, definitely. We're going to put that out there. Uh, I'm excited and glow in the dark. I'm a, I'm a geek, man. Kevin owes me a. Uh, a collector's edition of uh, some Meshbun and Grifty that I if over a hundred dollars that he's gonna pay yeah. for. Wrong tree, wrong tree. Go talk to Five yeah. Meats. Yeah, he's gonna. He owes me that. <laughs> but, but you know, it's funny. You guys are talking about these uh, real stories that inspired you. Um, uh, the, one of the things that it reminded me of when I was reading uh, Cryptidinals uh, is years ago when I was a reporter, uh, I went down to this little town in Nuevo León called Espinazo, um, and it's called that because it's supposed to be the mountain ridge there. It's supposed to be the spine of the devil. Uh, and the uh, that little tiny town had a patron saint, El Nino Fidencio, a curandero, back in the in the nineteen teens and twenties, mm -hmm. uh, who they say chased the devil out of the town. And literally, there's a, there's a rectangular shaped hole in the side of the mountain that they say that's where the devil is still be found. And and uh, inside there is a whole world of dark magic. And it made me think about 
your story because they have that little hole in the mountainside and it made me you know make that kind of little connection there the story i mean I, I tried to pepper the story with a lot of real life events or like you know real life events as far as cryptid lore is concerned um and the battle of nightmare hall that actually did happen and in the book um you know it happens a little bit differently than it did in real life if you guys want to go down that rabbit hole it's up to you just uh you know type google in battle of nightmare hall and good luck man have a good time because <laughs> it, it happened like back in the in the 1970s and um it's crazy man and that's what started it all too like well these guys got to have a place to live and blah blah but I, what i really wanted to touch on really really quickly if i have time is the, the the villains of the story because um those are the new monsters and we've been talking about monsters left and right but um these are the ones that are really really scary because these things are starting to seep into reality and they're called tulpas and i don't know if you guys are familiar with that but i know what a tulpa is exactly and that's you scary <laughs> um the best known tulpa of course is a slender man and santa claus but that's another story but uh slender man has caused a lot of havoc man uh, kids that believe in it especially the stuff that's going on online right now like with the scps um yeah. you know like fuzzy wuzzy all that stuff that's going on that kids are believing so much that they're becoming reality. Those are the villains that I wanted to put the cryptids, the cryptonodes against, because those are the new villains for the new age, the cyber age villains that are becoming real. But I give it the spin, of course, and it has it's rooted in something very old that is coming back around again. But I won't ruin it, you know. So you guys yeah, yeah, I think out. it's best for those to, to go look for it. I thought to spoil things, and you know, I love that how everybody here is talking about how it's. You have to you have to talk about realities, right? Things that you've been through, and everybody when they create something, a piece of them is in there, right? Mm -hmm. Drew, you shared a little bit about how this book kind of pulled you out of a, I mean, real dark place, right? And just propelled you to where you are now. How much I mean, would you say of maybe you, your family, your things are in these characters? How much can you elaborate on that? So some of them more so than others, like some, some of it is more metaphorical. Um, I am diagnosed uh, with dissociative identity disorder. I, does everybody know what that is? I'm assuming everybody does these days. I think just you know, we should assume that everybody is familiar with that, unless you want to just, uh, for those that don't multiple, know. Multiple, multiple personality disorder. Um, okay. And... Uh, the character of Halloween man, um, you know, he's got this asymmetrical design. Part of his, part of his uh, uh, body looks like a monster. Part of it looks like a normal guy. Um, you know that that's a metaphor for, I guess, my fractured psyche or my survivor's guilt. Um, you know, it's just a visual representation of, of trauma. Um, there's no one character that's like my direct personality. Um, you know, I would say like a lot of the characters have different aspects of my personality. Um, if we if we want to get the most direct influence on any character, um, the character of Lucy, is Halloween Man's girlfriend, is it's basically my wife. Like, you know, <laughs> cool. like they, 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 smartest woman in the world, man. Smartest woman in the world. Um, she's, she, she, they look almost identical. And, uh, you know, there, a lot of Lucy's clothing is just Jamie's clothing that I, you know, sent to artists. Um, and well, I, I, I love that Lucy's a starlet and Jamie is a rock star. So, yes. uh, with danger cakes, that her band, <laughs> yeah, Jamie absolutely is a rock star. And, and 
a hero. She does a lot for the local community through her activism uh, with Girls Rock Austin here in Austin. But um, Jamie's very much a, a, a Jill of all trades. Like she, she's got that polymath thing to where if she doesn't know something, she she will give her a second and she'll figure it out. It's it's very infuriating at sometimes too, <laughs> actually. But um, you know, like it. The, their personalities are also very close to each other to the point where a lot of Lucy's dialogue is j just stuff that Jamie has said. Said so, to you and everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's that's the most direct lift out of anybody in my life. The The rest of it is, again, like, I, there's a little bit of you in where, whatever yeah, character whatever you, you mean, get. Yeah. I, I think the older I get, the more like Halloween Man I become because cause he's, he's a... He's a very grumpy guy outwardly, but he's got a soft center. Um, you know, when, when I was younger, I was much more, you know, tack turn, I guess. And I, the older I've gotten, I've become a bit more of a, a mush pot. So I think I, I've, I've become more like Halloween man the older I get. But uh, it certainly wasn't intentional. So then if you're like 15, read the early stuff. If you're like older like us, you can read the newer stuff and be better. Kind of sure. like that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. No, man. Yeah, I, I dig it. I think it's fun. Drew, I've known you 10 years, and you know what? And yeah, mushpot. That's the word I'm going to use to describe you <laughs> moving forward. 10 years, Fair. man. Fair. Fair. I love this guy. I swear this guy. Well, Ray, I love you're, you. awesome. you're awesome too, but you know, uh, no, man. Uh, we, I mean, we Drew, just met you. You seem cool yeah. though. Ray, you seem amazing. You know, nothing but love. Thank you guys. Thank anyway, you. Are but, you guys yeah. going to go to the, to con to, uh, to, uh, Hector's, uh, show? Well, uh, they may, they may check it out. Uh, Hector uh, Rodriguez is going to have Texas, Latino comic con in Dallas yeah. in October. Uh, and uh, and then the, that's a that's a free comic book convention. I'll be there. I'll be one of the the hosts there. I'll actually, I'll be hosting most of the panels there. How <laughs> um, did I think about Apparently. it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Freddie's going to be there too for a panel. Uh, it's going to yep. be possibly a live recording of my primos. We're still working on that details. I'm figuring it out. Uh, yeah, and, I think and, so. And there's a similar free comic con in November in Austin called Mex Americon. It's also uh, you know celebrating uh, Latinx creators uh, uh, as well. Um, and now I say celebrating uh, Latinx creators, uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx, but I keep cannot stress enough. We want everybody to be there. Um, yeah. uh, we want uh, writers looking for artists to come check out the artists who have their tables. We want uh, fans looking for, for art to come buy their stuff. You know, um, it is definitely something we want out there. So, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Rick. <laughs> When is the okay, you said the one in Austin's in November? When is the one in Dallas? October twenty second. Yep. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm getting ready for Baltimore, but uh, the next weekend. But uh, man, I would love to come to to the one in November. That'd be great to you know at least come. Yeah, check I think it everybody's out. kind yeah. of waiting for that one because it's the first one back because everything yeah. has been like online or digital. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, the Dallas one is October twenty second. The uh, Austin one is November fifth. So, okay. Definitely, you guys check it on. I I will definitely uh, you know make the the Austin one. October, unsurprisingly, is a very busy month for me, <laughs> and I have a uh, I have almost an event every weekend in October. Oh, I bet it's so, yeah. awesome. Yeah, we're yeah. we're doing a signing together in October first yeah. at Dragon's Lair, which will be a lot of nice. fun uh, yeah. here in Austin. Uh, the Dragon's yeah. Lair in Austin. 
Yeah, the one up on uh, on the north side of Austin. So we'll be doing that that weekend, uh, Saturday the 1st. So come check it out if you're in town. That'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I think I'm going to be in town not that weekend, the week after. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, if I can make it out there, I make, I'm in Fort Worth, so got to oh, drive right down, down. But for sure, uh, I'm going to try to make a uh, Mix American in November. That'll be great. I am and, doing. Uh, I am doing a signing in the DFW area on October eighth uh, at a place called Black Cat Comics and Records. Uh, so I'm going to be selling comics, uh, and then I'm going to be doing a Q and A. It's from five to nine. So Dallas and Fort Worth are, you know, pretty close to each other. No pressure though. No, no, definitely. Definitely, everybody can come out if you're out in the area. Yeah, I think I'm going to be in Austin. The weekend of the eighth and ninth and tenth, <laughs> so that's the fun stuff. I'm literally missing you guys. And uh, Ray, are you going to be doing any in-person appearances coming up? Um, right now, no. We're working on the Kickstarter. They have something planned for us uh, for for uh, Mexico City in uh, December. Oh, sweet! Uh, the six by sixers having have been invited to go and, and present the cryptonos actually in in Mexico City. So I got to get my passport in order and all that other stuff. So we're treated like kings over there, man. When I go over there, um, huge in Mexico. Fairs, yeah, like we have book fairs and stuff like that. They like you know they serve us like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they like take us everywhere. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully that does go through. Um, but that's pretty much the only one right now we're gearing up to start fulfilling because we did have a previous campaign called, uh, un, um, uh, Sam, I forgot the name, Dead Stop. Um, and that was also kind of like paranormal horror stories that happened in Juarez. Uh, it was kind of tales from the crypt, but with a bus driver that's taking you to all these weird locations in Juarez that actually did happen, like weird stuff. And we had this one story in there. And I just want to touch on this really quick, guys. Because um, 6 by 6 Comics, like, we do a lot of stuff that no one else wants to talk about. And we had this one story called uh, uh, Junior. And the story Junior is about um, what it takes to become a man when you're in the cartel. When you're a 12-year-old boy and uh, all of a sudden your dad says, you know what? It's time that you become a man. That story, we took it to Modesto. And people in Modesto lost their minds because they were like, is this real? And we were like, yeah, it does happen. That stuff does happen, man. And so if you guys are interested, and hopefully we can make it out to some of the cons that you guys are at, you know, in, in East Texas over there or Middle Texas, we'll take some <laughs> of those books out there so you can check them out. Because well, uh, actually we actually just back your campaign right now. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, yeah, no sir. No problem. And but all of our listeners should do the same. Yes, yes definitely. definitely. We're actually working on digital tiers to release some of the books that are no longer published, and that will include the the dead stop books and i think uh the undead border book also that was about zombies in juarez and it's very um what's the word uh, like it's a social commentary on the you know the, the city of juarez mexico so wow man i mean I, that's good things ahead i i gotta i i wanted to to you know compliment you also on on you know doing a lot of stuff with with existing locations within texas and and mexico because that's something that's something that i dabble in a lot i actually just last year did a story that was in uh jefferson texas um you know like i i i love putting local flavor in things and i i because there's this perception of what Texas is in the media and, you know, not an, an undue in, in a lot of respects, but, <laughs> but um, I mean, it is what it is. 
Yeah. yeah, but you know, I I I want to do my own little part to show that there there are other aspects that are are charming and interesting, and you know, like so I like I love the fact that you're you're doing doing that as well and and kind of dealing in the the lore of that. So I'm looking forward to reading the book, man. It sounds awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Drew. I appreciate that. I want to know what you guys think. Well, if you do get the book and you read it. I know these guys read it and I'm, I'm like dying to see if they do a review for me or something that I can, you know, quote them oh, on. Oh yeah, man. We have um, our, we have the primo scale, so we'll, we'll knock it out, man. I'm enjoying it to be up front with you. Like I'm a fan. Like I love, I love this stuff guys. I mean, you can tell we love, we all love comic books. We all love something with creativity. We all love something a little fun, a little kooky, a little creepy, a little campy, all that stuff. Like, right. Um, <laughs> if it ever comes to that, which we'll see how the Adams family, isn't it the new Adams family coming out? Uh, Wednesday, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wednesday. yeah, there you go. On Netflix. Netflix, we'll see. You know, we'll see how New, how new Adam Family, new monsters, because every every IP, every old IP is new again. I no. want a new Chico and the Man. Give me that. <laughs> Imagine. Fucking... Dude, let's do it. I'm down. I love the I love uh Luis Guzman as uh as um oh, yeah. Uh, what's his yeah. name? Yeah, because uh, he looks yeah. as Gomez because he looks the part from the original stuff before you know go Raul ahead. Julia. You know what that? the oh. funny part is he looks the part and I have not seen him do a single line of Gomez, but having seen his other work. I know he can deliver those lines. I know oh, yeah. he can oh, be yeah. completely embody Gomez. I, man, ever since I saw that cat in uh, Carlito's way, man, you knew that oh, he, he was just he's awesome a, he's in a everything. He's actor. Like, yeah, he's it, amazing. He can like, play it all. My heart will always belong to Earl Julia, but damn, I'm interested in what, what uh, Guzman has. Oh, he's Guzman could there. do it, man. Everything I'm, he's been yeah. in has been a blast. Yeah, Every yeah. time he's on screen, he fucking... He owns, man. He's fucking he great. I, I, I love Roll Julia, but I'm a big believer that that no one actor can can own an iconic character. Yeah, you know, exactly. like like I, I'm a big, big, uh, you know, classic horror fan, obviously, and I love the fact that I can go from Bella Gosi and Christopher Lee and Frank Langella and all the other Draculas because they all put a different stamp on it and. You know, Gomez, you know, is is kind of the same way. You know, we've had all these actors do it. And I like seeing what new actors bring to the table. Sometimes I like like stuff more than than others. But, you know, we'll see where this is. We'll see where this is go. I think it's gonna be fun, man. He yeah. has timing. He can do comedy. He can do serious. He could do creepy. He can do mean like the guy has range. Like I'm, yeah, he has chops for sure. Oh yeah. You know what? As long as we're getting all these uh, these reboots and remakes of uh, of monsters and Adams, I, I just want the one thing that I've never gotten my entire childhood to now that I've wanted, and that is Adams meet the monsters. I mean, I feel like it can happen. Like I want. Yeah, we had the Flintstones meet the Jetsons. I guess I can do that. that I want an animated movie with the monsters and the Adams, and I I want it to be fun. You know, like it, it, it could happen, right? It could happen. And then they they all go to Texas and end up running afoul from the the other weird family from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it becomes less fun. (laughs) Nice. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? If the grandpa from Texas Chainsaw Massacre was forced to smash with a hammer, I don't know, like the 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 knee the niece from the monster, she's all ah, oh, you, know, you know, you know though. I, I think I grandpa think, monster doing it. Go ahead. Yeah. If you I if think, you give Leatherface like a instead of a chainsaw and you and you make him less leathery, 
give him like a I don't know a hockey stick or something and run around and chase people with. It'll be a cartoon, just something random. He doesn't have to have the chainsaw. Kids will watch it. I oh, always yeah. wanted, you know, one of the things about the Munsters TV show is there's the episode where they reveal that that Herman Munster was a World War II vet, and I always wanted them to do a flashback to World War II, and it's basically Creature Commandos. Like, oh, imagine, I, yeah. <laughs> Oh. And see now you you do that and then throw in a grandmama from Adam's family. You know she'd be there as a as a young witch. It'd be great. <laughs> yes. I want zombie. I want zombie grandma from the Beverly Hillbillies to show up too. Oh, okay. be just, <laughs> granny, <laughs> granny. Yeah, are you a, are you a are you a um a Ken a Ken? I, I I I'm prolonging this like, but are you a Kim Newman fan at all? A little bit, yeah. He in in one of his uh, Anno Dracula books, he does a riff on Beverly Hillbillies where he combines. Yeah, I remember that. Like, was, them all. Yeah. I was remembering that. I was like, "Where is that coming? Why is that coming to mind?" Yeah, well, that's what it was. It's the good stuff. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I, I, that's why this is fun, right? Like we can look at this situation or these like this gathering, if you will, right? You guys have the liberty to sit here and goof around and think about it, man. Maybe we can make something like that happen, you know? But I had a blast with you guys tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Great time. Thank you. Thanks for having I'm me. so glad you guys all made it. Really, definitely. I was worried that Kevin was like, maybe one will drop off. Or two. Somebody always drops off, you know? And I was like, is it going to be too many people? I mean, we're going to have five of us all recording all at once. But you know what? You guys are you guys are a good bunch, man. Look how dependable <laughs> we are. I mean, hey, man, <laughs> on point. But I want to go, before we go, everybody just you know, give us your socials where everybody can reach you. And that way, of course, we'll do our part once we, we put everything, we'll post it out. But just feel free to, you know, give us your socials. Everybody can find you and your work. Ray, where do we find you online? Uh, you can find me. Just look up 6 x 6 Comics or Cryptonodes anywhere online. Uh, Google it, whatever, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I have a TikTok uh, dedicated to the Cryptonodes right now, and it's nothing but, like, creepy stuff. Uh, right. legends I'll follow you right now. You better follow products. me back. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, Same and here, man. Talk about like uh, all the stuff that's going on in Texas and as far as cryptos are concerned, at the surrounding area and stuff like that. And of course, you know, the Kickstarter is live right now. So please back it. Thank you so much, Drew, for backing it. And thanks, Dan, because I saw you were following me on Instagram. So thanks for that, brother. Yeah, I know. I got, I hit you up on Twitter. And yeah, I did back the book as well. So, oh, thank you yeah. so much, brother. Appreciate yeah, no it. problem. Man. And really quickly, guys, don't forget Dahmer drops tonight at midnight and also Andor drops tonight oh, that's and true tonight. andor yep so just reminding you are my fellow nerds there we go and uh dan where can we find you online yeah no worries uh let's see uh bigfootnosekarate.com that's the that's the the main home so uh you can find uh links to my twitter and instagram there but it's danomite 139 d-a-n-o-m-y-t-e 139 on twitter and instagram um you can also find me like i said on global comics uh you can just search bigfoot nose karate you can find that there uh yeah it's it's a great platform and uh i hope you know i hope you all go check that out other than that that's pretty much me where you can find me online um yeah that's that's the rub that's what i got (laughs) and drew where do we find you and halloween man online so uh halloweenman.com it will take you to my my website uh 
which in turn can get you to a lot of my socials. You can also buy comics on there. Um, please excuse the mess on the website. It is a work in progress. It just went live last week. Um, as far as Instagram goes, I am Drew underscore Halloween on, on the gram. And on Twitter, I am Halloween man calm, all lowercase, all one word. Uh, so send your hate mail there. And of Trust course, me, I've been uh, begging for it. We don't get it, man. People just like us. Shit. That, that, nobody hates us enough, man. They, I know, man. Maybe, I, can, I, I gotta say something like inflammatory. What can piss somebody off to give me hate mail? Hmm. I, I I got Black Snyder's <laughs> overrated. Donnie Donnie Cates and I had the same stalker earlier <laughs> this year during the Best of Austin Awards because a, a guy from Brazil didn't even live in Austin resented that us as writers were nominated for a best comic book creator what? award. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, so he, that, there you go. Come go, get nominated for an award. That's uh, okay. okay. That's the yeah. ticket. We'll do it. That's we'll do the it. Ticket. We got to do working it. On it. I'm working on it. <laughs> and, and by the way, I want to repeat what we said earlier. You can find, uh, Dan's work and Drew's works at globalcomics.com. That's global comics, C O M I X. Dot com. Definitely, guys. You know where you can find us, of course, at My Pretty Most Podcast on all social media and all streaming platforms around the globe. Remember, guys, this show is free. All it costs you is a like, a share, and just let the people know where you can find us. Share and with guys, your remember, friends. Share with your enemies. Everybody, give me some hate mail. Give me the link. There's a, I, I actually, guys, I put a link where you can leave a voicemail just to talk shit. But no one does it. I'm going to nominate you for like a best <laughs> podcast award. It'll there you happen. go. That'll we'll do take it. it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Dan, if you just want to just drop a random line in there, man, just, you know, just yeah. to. No, no, no. I was just going to say, you know what? Haters or you need haters. You know, Cat Williams said that you got to have haters. If you don't have haters then you're not doing it right. You know, if you got eight yeah. haters, you need 16 haters. You got 20 haters, you need 40 haters. You know, that's how you know you're doing it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if any of us pissed you off, you know, tonight, send us a tweet. Let us know how, what kind there of assholes go. we really fucking are. Anyway. There you go. Tell, tell Dan how great the Marvel movies are and he could check out Ant-Man because it's really <laughs> yeah, worth it. Yeah, I'm on it. Yeah, let me just jump on that shit. <laughs> well, good night, people. Thank you guys for listening. Like Dan, man. Maybe, man. You'd laugh. Adios. <laughs>